welcome to episode 67 of Roll, Play, Grow, the podcast for tabletop entrepreneurs, creators, and fans. I am Courtney Stover of Lightheart Adventures, and in this podcast, we talk to the creators behind the brands and the tabletop roleplay gaming space about who they are and how they are turning their passion for gaming into a career. I have been wanting to chat with today's guest for a very long time because we've been Twitter friends and just chatting over there for a while. I honestly hadn't realized how long it had been until I started digging into the timeline with this person. Cassie Mothman shot into the TTRPG scene a couple of years ago when she created her first project, What Crooked Roots, a D&D 5e folk horror supplement. Since then, she's created two very unique games with their own systems and is currently crowdfunding for a third game, Tangled Blessings. You'll find the game on Crowdfunder right now um, up until February 28th. It has already succeeded and gone through quite a few stretch goals. Cassie did not plan to get into game design. It just kind of happened because of her Curse of Strahd campaign. She's had a really interesting journey, and we spend this conversation really digging into it and how everything just happened and the timeline and all of the times that she planned on taking a break and instead designed another game in like a day or two. (laughs) Hope you guys enjoy it. Before we begin, though, I do have just a few items of business. First up, last week, we launched Burnaway, the indie TTRPG that I've been project managing over on Kickstarter. If the idea of firefighting Ghostbusters sounds interesting to you, I highly recommend you check it out. The last three episodes of Roleplay Grow all featured someone from the project team, with last week's episode featuring Nagi, the game designer behind it all. I definitely recommend you listen to it if you haven't already, as we give you a pretty good look at the game's themes and mechanics. We have a really amazing team of other writers and artists and layout designer and marketing and... We just have this huge project team that has been a true pleasure to cultivate and work with over the last year, and I'm just really excited about this game. So like I said, that campaign is currently live on Kickstarter, which you can find by going down to the show notes, or if you go to Kickstarter and search for Burn Away, you'll find it. Secondly, I want to shout out one of our favorite dice companies, Dice Envy. My very first interview on the show is actually with David Darris, the founder of Dice Envy, and we have gotten so many different dice sets from them over the years. I'd highly recommend you check them out as they have dice in all sorts of materials. They've got resin, metal, wood, they have chunky D20s and really cool shapes for their D4s. We are affiliates with them. So if you go to DiceEnvy.com and use the code LIGHTHEART, A-D-V, you'll get 10% off your order, have some snazzy dice and help support this show. Thanks for hanging out, friends, and enjoy this chat with Cassie. Welcome back. I am here with the amazing writer, designer, illustrator, and total friend goal, Cassie Mothman. What's up, Cassie? Hi, uh, everything's great. How are you? Doing all right. Uh, Yeah, it's fun. We were just talking about all of the fun joys of crowdfunding and trying to figure out where the heck you're going to print. Fun joys (laughs) in quotation marks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll dig into that like on the mic as well. So, (laughs) but let us jump in. Will you tell me a bit about yourself and how you got into gaming? Sure. So Cassie Mathwin, she, her 
How I got into gaming. My, my, what a legend. Just kidding. It's pretty boring. (laughs) So I grew up like most children playing pretend on the playground. And like most children, I loved it. And I never quite grew out of that, of pretending to be someone else, of always wanting to go on adventures. I mean, even in high school, me and my friends would put on costumes and run into the woods. And we didn't know what Dungeons and Dragons was yet at this point, or LARPing or anything like that. We just wanted to play pretend. And then I would say maybe close to five or six years later, I discovered Dungeons and Dragons. This was 3.5. And unfortunately, I could not make heads or tails of that character sheet. So I did not play. And from then on, for about three or four more years, I was convinced that Dungeons and Dragons was a math game. And no one could tell me otherwise. And then Critical Role came about and started making a lot of noise about being this really cool show that voice actors put on. Many voice actors that I already knew from other media. And they were playing pretend and rolling dice. And the dice would tell them what kind of actions they could do and help the story unfold. And I was like, whoa, that wasn't the Dungeons and Dragons I was told about. So through a series of circumstances, I eventually started running D&D and playing D&D a lot. And I wrote some things for D&D. And now I do all kinds of systems. I am aware of (laughs) the breadth and the variety of role-playing games that exist now. And yeah, that's the quick slapdash version of it. <laughs> what are you playing these days? Right now, I am still running Dungeons & Dragons because I've been running two campaigns for over two years. I think they will finally both wrap up this year. We'll see. I'm ready to move on. But I've also run other games, including Blades in the Dark, a bunch of very small indie games like that I buy off Itch and run those. Sleep Away, Wander Home, In the Light of a Ghost Star, So many others, lots of, (laughs) so those are the ones I've run. And then I've played like Alice is Missing and Call of Cthulhu, Thirsty Sword Lesbians, Mothership. Oh, and Outcast. I think that's what it's called. Anyway, lots of games. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sitting there like, oh yeah, wait, I need to, like, did I ever get that PDF? Hold on. (laughs) Like, yeah, literally like four games that you just said. They're all great. Check them all out. I know, right? <laughs> Are you still doing a Curse of Strong campaign? I am. It's still going. The very like first weekend in December of 2021, it started. And it is now February 2023. And we are still going. And we still probably at least three to six months ago. It's been a journey. <laughs> Brandon and my players, stop listening. What part are you at? <laughs> It's so complicated. So they did, they just finished Argon Vostholt. They have finished, I'm just going to say like list locations. And when I say finished, they can always go back and perhaps generate more content. But the content that like is in the book and then the homebrew stuff I created, they are like finished with that location. So they're finished with the winery, Argon Vostholt, Lobarovia, the Kresk, the Abbey. And then they still have content left at Berez and a certain hidden location in the woods, along with a certain temple uh, in the Southern Mountains. <laughs> yeah, I have also been, I don't know, it's been over two years now, but I don't know if that counts because I've like had to take so much time off because of medical crap. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. You know. Oh, whatever. <laughs> but it's 
yeah, my, my players decided to go straight from Argonvosolt to Berez. That's where they, that's the trajectory mine took. Yeah. Which, uh, should be a fun time considering they're level five still. Oh, my players, I think they're level eight. I think they just got level eight. So a little bit more prepared than yours. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, sorry. I think they actually did just hit six. But when I say they are going from Argusfolt to Berez, as in like, they haven't even made it to the winery yet. Oh, no. They just came from Velaki. They hit up Argenvosholt and decided to check out the swamp. So, well, good for them. It's going to be a good time. Exploration is good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Maybe maybe some scarecrows will scare them away. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. (laughs) One of the players just got uh, dragged underwater by something when we left off, and that was back in September, so. (laughs) (laughs) That's quite the cliffhanger. (laughs) I know, right? Uh, but anyway, I'll just say like that has been a fun thing to kind of like when I first started following you being like, oh, this person's doing strat too. Like, awesome. And like, see what's going on. Yeah. I used to tweet about it all the time because that campaign was my life. And then not to segue or anything, but because I was trying to generate content for that campaign, that's how I got into writing things for D&D. And I have been upfront with them. And if they're listening, I'm sorry, you all know this. They're no longer (laughs) my main priority when it comes to creativity and whatnot. But they do a great job of bringing incredible moments to the table. And I hate to use the word content in like a a play kind of sense. Like we're just getting, we're just sitting around a table with snacks and drinks and telling each other stories. So I hate to say they bring great content, but they do. They entertain me every every week when we meet so it's great yeah that's awesome well I mean I would say let's go ahead and dig into the transition from like what you kind of <laughs> just started with but <laughs> of yeah like your first project what crooked roots yep what crooked roots curse of Strahd was my second campaign that I started running and my first campaign was tomb of annihilation and tomb of annihilation is a I feel very obviously like if you are signing up to play Tomb of Annihilation, you know people are gonna die, you're not gonna form any like incredible relationships. There's not the role play can be deep, but most likely you're all in it to just enjoy the ride. It is a very Indiana Jones, everything is dangerous and everything will eat you and potentially murder you campaign. And that's how I sold it to those players. But in Curse of Strahd, I wanted it to be this really complex gothic horror story that pulled at your fears that romanced you that lulled you into a sense of security and then ripped that away and I wanted that to be entertaining and safe at the same time my group and I used to have many meetings within the first year we played where we would constantly check in and make sure that I was hitting the right notes and I wasn't hitting the wrong ones in kind of generating the atmosphere that I wanted to generate Now we've been playing so long and we've grown so close that none of us really feel the need to have those check-ins in such a structured style. But our campaign started in December 2020, and this was early 2021. I sent out a six-month check-in, and it was anonymous. And I was like, this is a six-month check-in. If you have anything you want to say anonymously, there's space in here to do that. There's only four of you, so please know, like, it's going to be pretty easy for me to figure out who you are. But at the same time, like, feel free to say something if you need to. But it also had like a survey of like, what do you feel like this campaign is missing? And what do you want to see more of? Had a lot of questions like that. 
and one of them had to do with the genres of horrors. At this time, a Von Richten's Guide to Ravenloft was just coming out, so all the genres of horror that they were promoting were kind of in my head, so I just stuck them in the survey, and I was like, choose whichever one you want more of or whatever, and folk horror, overwhelmingly, they wanted to see more folk horror. At the time, they hadn't made it to the winery, which I would argue is a pretty folk horror genre piece in Curse of Strahd. And the more I look at Curse of Strahd, the more I can see how they took different genres and put them in different locations. It's really cool when you start looking at it that way. But anyway, so I was like, all right, they want more folk horror encounters. What? Let me just, I'll Google, I'll go in the Discord server, or I'll go on Reddit. Couldn't find anything. I couldn't find any D&D folk horror stuff. And it could have been just what I was Googling because now like when I Google, I feel like I can find quite a bit. I also find my own book. So I started writing and it was just going to be like a roll table with like a sentence or two per roll table. And you're going to learn very quickly that this is a recurring theme for me where I can't just stop writing. So it quickly went from being a 20 table, like so you'd roll a d20 and pick an encounter to being a 15 encounters but in 30 pages on eight and a half by 11. And then I added art and formatting and research. I actually did some research into folk horror legends and mythology. And I put a little, a little very brief, but meaningful essay near the beginning of the text to help explain some of my decisions and creative process for how I arrived at where I did. And now what Crooked Roots exists and it's a drive through RPG bestseller. Fly Flourish looked at it and he said he thought it was really cool and he digs it and he recommends it if you want like folk horror in your campaign. And it's been really neat. And um, it's been a really cool thing to hang my hat on as I move into other projects, especially outside of D&D. Yeah, I remember grabbing it like when it first kind of came out because folk horror is my favorite type of horror. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, this sounds awesome. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, like it's been a really great reference um, as I've gotten through and been you know, during my own Curse of Strahd stuff. But, and I think even like recently, Brenton was trying to write a one shot for our Patreon and was like, I don't know if like, it's like full core. I think I want to do something full core. And I was like, well, have you looked at Cassie's thing? <laughs> <laughs> so it's been amazing. Like I've, it's been really awesome too, just like seeing how much that that has grown that. Cause I know that that wasn't necessarily something that you were like planning. <laughs> I wasn't even going to charge for it, mm-hmm. mostly, honestly, mostly, because I didn't want to deal with the taxes of it all, right? Like, once you start <laughs> charging for something, it really becomes a paperwork nightmare if you're not prepared for that. And I wasn't. I didn't want to charge for it because I didn't want a paperwork nightmare. I didn't want to start a business. I didn't. I just wanted to put something out there and I wanted people to enjoy it. But also, I worked really freaking hard on it. Like, I did my own illustrations. My husband did a few illustrations for it. Like I did all the artwork for the cover. I did the layout. I hired a proofreader and paid the proofreader and an editor. So I was like, all right, I don't really want to make money off of this, but maybe I at least want to make some money back because I spent a lot of hours and I did invest like into people to help me with it. So I'm going to put it pay what you want. So it was pay what you want from November of 2021 until January of 2022, the very end of January, I like gave everybody a week. I was like, Hey, everybody, just so you know, I'm raising the price, but pick it up for free if you want to now or pay what you want now, whatever, because it's going to go to $10. And the other reason I wanted it to be pay what you want is because they come from, from an RPG perspective, like Reddit and in Reddit, there is no, like you don't sell things on Reddit. You just give them away freely 
Sure, some people come in and they advertise their Patreon, but usually they're giving away like something awesome. And while I never posted it on Reddit, I still felt like that camaraderie. And I still was so thankful for everybody on Twitter who had helped me when I had a million questions about what was going on. I was thankful for the people on Reddit because there's also asking questions on Reddit about like formatting and design questions and stuff like that. And I was like, the answers to my questions were given freely. So I feel like the content I made out of that should be available freely. But the more I spoke with people, And the more I spoke with creators, the more I started to move away from that mindset, especially as I decided that I wanted to move more into designing because I really loved it. So in the end, I ended up raising the price. But to $10, it's really still a great value. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. And it goes on sale all the time because I am a very generous person. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, let's keep going down the timeline. So you put this out. It was like incredibly successful. People were loving it. You got to the point with that. You're like, okay, I'm going to charge for this. And then, and then I burned out. Ah, Then I burned out really bad because I was just working on what crooked roots for three months. Nonstop. I uh, (laughs) just couldn't stop. I was in love with it. I was obsessed with it. And then December, I was like, all right, I'm taking a break. And then January, I started working on another project where I've soft announced, but I've since backtracked because it's a huge project and I do plan on going back to it. But I don't want to, I don't want to tease too much there because it's a huge project. So it's probably a ways away. But I started working on this other project and I was working on it a lot. And then I started to burn out on that project really, really bad. I was getting overwhelmed because it's, it's already at 30 pages and I could sense that it was going to be 80 to 100. And it's not related to D&D. It was a solo project. So I was like, I'm working so hard on this. No one's going to like this because no one knows me except for the stuff I write for D&D. And then around the same time this happens, I found out our landlord was selling our building. We had just told our landlord that we wanted to renew our lease. We didn't want to move. We... We have had a lot of uh, housing insecurity in the past and we wanted, even though we didn't love our location, we were like, let's, we're settled here. Let's stay. And we had made peace with that. And then only a week later to be told, no, 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 we're selling the building and you're likely going to have to move because the buyer we have lined up wants your apartment. So get ready in two months. You got to get out. So that was so distracting and just, and stressful and frustrating because I felt like I was on a roll with even though I was burnt out, I was still on a roll with building up this community and finding my way here. And then to be told, like, by the way, your life's going to be uprooted and everything's going to be frustrating. Really, really sucked. <laughs> so it took a month and a half for everything with that to shake out. And essentially the buyer decided they didn't want our apartment and another person bought the apartment and we got to stay. But during that time, I got very depressed And I was packing up things and I was going through things and thinking about the things I needed to throw away because we had just moved like the year before and it had been COVID. And it was just so upsetting to be going through this process again when it felt like we were like at a good place to stay for a while. And that's when I wrote Clean Spirit, which is a cleaning, in quotes, game. It's mostly a game about like coming to terms with your character's feelings and forming relationships with other characters but it uses like cleaning as a stage and a vehicle for that. And while I wasn't in a great place while writing it and it hasn't been like a bestseller or anything, the people who play it tell me they love it. And I was reading it the other day and I was like, this is a good game. It's very lovely. It gives the impression that it's going to be cozy and then you play it and you're trying not to cry by the end of it. It's a very 
it's a very emotionally driven game. It's not horror in the sense of you're going to be scared, but I do think it forces characters to maybe engage with parts of themselves that the player didn't know existed. So it's a very interesting game because it comes from that place of housing insecurity and feeling emotional attachment to my objects and my things and quite frankly, my place of living. So it's just a very interesting work, I think. Yeah. And uh, like what month was this? Plain Spirit came out at the end of July, but I started working on it in March. So I guess that was that was a longer process than what Crooked Roots because Clean Spirit required playtesting because it uses its own system. It uses a token-based system that are motivation tokens. You gain motivation tokens and you spend motivation tokens to make progress by cleaning your dwelling. And so for that to work, I wanted to make sure that there was playtesting and there was good editing. So the playtesting happened and I got a lot of feedback. And at the time, I was a first-time game designer. I wasn't basing stuff off of a system that already existed like 5e. With 5e, I have everything. I have the tools, right? I just needed to like build my scaffolding and build my thing. But with Clean Spirit, I had nothing. So I was starting from what I thought made sense. And then playtesters were like, it's, it kind of makes sense. One playtester was pretty much like, there's a lot of issues with this. And here's all of them. And I sent the game and that playtester's feedback, along with a little other feedback to my editor. And I was like, help me make sense of this because I am a new designer. I'm overwhelmed with all of the feedback I received from the playtesting. I don't know what to implement and what to ignore. And then I don't know what kind of goes against my thesis of the game because some people wanted to do more dice rolling. And I only wanted dice rolls to exist in a couple of sections. I wanted it to be as diceless as possible. I wanted it to be mostly token based. So I was like, where do I, where do I give in and where do I hold back? And my editor did a fantastic job of going through the comments and going through my work and telling me where things were working and where things were having issues and then helping me make sense of the playtesters comments. But all of that, all of that took so much time. (laughs) So that took, I think that whole process took two months. And then after getting all of that, it took me another month to finally finish layout and editing and then give it to my proofer and have my, so it's probably another month and a half and then have my proofer give me feedback. Game design takes a long time. If you're going through like the, not the proper channels, I hate to like gatekeep and be like, if you want to do it properly, this is how it works. But I feel like if you want to have a really great product and make sure you're not making anyone else burn out, like having a playtesting phase, an editing phase, a proofreading phase, like all of these phases, they take so much time, a lot more time than I expected. And I've learned a lot from the clean spirit experience. Yeah, I can imagine so like I've yet to actually be the designer but I've still had to like help with the design and I'm like or at least making sure that it happens and yeah it is it's a lot you probably get asked like a lot of questions and a lot of those questions then probably end with does that make sense (laughs) yeah that happens a lot (laughs) (laughs) and you're like yeah I'm getting the intent of what you're trying to ask, but as for what you're explaining, oh, the you know. dreaded, I'm, I'm getting, I'm kind of understanding. And then it's just like the deflation. I feel it. Right. <laughs> so you talked a little bit about, I mean, like how it, like what the theme of, of the game was and what was moving, like going into you making the game. But was there a particular moment or something where you were like, I'm having this hard time with moving and I just, I have to write a game about it. I have to design my own system. Yes. I was going through a drawer 
So my grandmother recently moved. She was, I'm not going to go through the whole spiel with that, but she recently moved. So she downsized and I ended up with all my photo albums that I have from, that she's made for me since I was a baby. So I have photos of me as a like infant and then photos of me in kindergarten and photos of me in middle school and photos of me in high school, all the way to, she made a wedding album for me. So I have all of these and I have ADHD. So I open this drawer while I'm cleaning. And unfortunately I fell into the void of the photo albums and I was going through all these photo albums and I was recalling items that I'd had in elementary school that I forgot existed. And now I'm like, I wonder where that is. I want that. Or in high school, I saw like a shirt I was wearing. I was like, man, I used to love that shirt. And I was thinking about my emotional attachment to not only the objects that I was seeing and the family members I was seeing, but the places I w- I've always had housing insecurity. I used to be, I, like I was homeless when I was a little kid for a while. So I was thinking about all these places that I had feelings for. And then the photo albums themselves, how they have this such a significance to me, even if they didn't have the photos in them, my grandmother made these photo albums for me. So I was thinking about how do I capture this in a game? Or is there a way to capture this in a game? Because it, I was so depressed. Like I can't overstate enough how upset I was during this time. I just felt like the it was earth shattering to me. And then going through these photo albums, I finally felt a sense of grounding, a sense of, you know, it's going to be okay. I've gone through this before. There's proof right here that I've done it and I've successfully come through it. And getting rid of stuff isn't a big deal. It'll help me feel better. It'll clean my spirit and I will be mentally healthy once more. I know I'll get through this. And then it wasn't like, oh, I need to write a game about this. But that feeling of, if I can get through this and this, these items, not having them, but like remembering them and thanking them. And I mean, it goes back to Marie Kondo too. I had read Marie Kondo a few years earlier, not the Netflix show. I read her book, which I think is a very good book to read if you want just like to help you center yourself mentally with getting rid of things and whatnot. And I have thanked these objects and I feel as though I can move past this and sort of like thinking through that process and working through it from an emotional perspective, eventually, like it just sort of culminated in a clean spirit. I I think it overtook me for two days. I was like, all right, I have an idea for a game and I'm going to do it. And then clean spirit was out within two days, but then I had to send it to playtesters. So then it slowed down very fast. (laughs) Okay. Now I understand why you were like, oh my gosh, it was two months. It took so long. And I'm like, that's not a long time. Oh, it's because you wrote a game in two days. Got it. Okay, so I think I wrote the game at the like the middle of April. So then like by the time I had it ready for playtesters, I think it was the beginning of May and then they got me their feedback by the end of May and then I sent that feedback to my editor and he got it back to me by like the first week or the second week of June something like that and then the rest of that was me editing and illustrating cuz I also illustrated that one and doing layout, and then getting it to my editor and proof. Just for timeline references, if other designers are curious about like the process. The writing is the shortest part. <laughs> <laughs> it can be. It's the editing and everything else that takes so long. Because I'm editing my newest work, which I know we're going to talk about in a little bit, but it's just, it's great to edit. Editing is great, but also I hate it. <laughs> You're like, I already did it. I said what I wanted to say, and you can just deal with it now. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of a yes. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. All right. Well, continuing along the timeline. What did I do next? Uh, oh, the sticker game. Ah, yeah, the sticker game. <laughs> oh, the sticker game. So I was going to take a break after Clean Spirit. 
because as we stated, I burned out on the, the unannounced project that is still unannounced, but is still being worked on. I then made Clean Spirit and that took longer than I anticipated. And then I was supposed to take a break because I like Clean Spirit was a haze. While I say it took a long time and there were times I wasn't involved with it. During this time, I was also doing solo actual plays and I was the sole producer for those. Go check out my YouTube if you want to see those. They're really good. But those would take two to three weeks of prep because I was making like all the assets involved with that. Uh, aside from music, which I would source the music. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Those, they're really good, though. Go look at them. But anyway, <laughs> so I was burned out from writing, illustrating, as well as conducting and producing my own solo streams where I was role-playing and acting online and marketing all of these things at the same time. So a lot of stuff was happening. And I told everyone, all right, I'm taking a break. The next day, I said, I have a new game. <laughs> But it will be, it's going to be so simple. It's going to be so easy. I, I promise. And I'm telling everyone in my private Patreon server, I'm like, no, no, guys, don't worry about me. No, no, no. I promise it's not even going to have a layout. It's going to be fine. And it's called the sticker game. That's the working title. More information soon. So then I rushed home and I'm talking with my husband. And my husband is the co-author on this project because he just had so many great ideas from the get-go that I was like, oh my gosh, yes. So then we spent two months writing because it's a bit, it was a bigger project than we anticipated. And then it became an audio drama. So the sticker game is a very large departure from traditional role-playing games. It is a solo game that you play by yourself, or you can play it with a friend in the sense of you can turn the audio tracks on in the same room and both of you like play the game, but you're not co-op or anything like that. You're not a party. You're still like in your own little space, but essentially it's an, audio drama and you turn on the audio and the person on the audio is talking to you and giving you instructions and you respond to that by using your sticker collection and I know on the surface that sounds very simple but it is a absurdist but meaningful game it's I think it's a it's a nice bridge from clean spirit to to the sticker game just like what Crooked Roots is a nice bridge to Tangled Blessings, my latest project. But there's there's nothing I don't there's no middle ground between any of them. <laughs> but the sticker game was supposed to be this really simple project. Unfortunately, it's not. I learned I did a crash course on audio editing. I learned a lot about audio editing. I touched uh, base with my friend Jay at Planet Arcana, amazing podcast, amazing actual play podcast, and they helped me figure out some of the sound issues I was having, but otherwise it was mostly me doing all the audio editing. And um, I wrote the script with my husband's incredible input. It's really good though. Please go check it out. <laughs> I think it's one of the things I'm most proudest of because it is so unique. I don't think there's anything else out there like it. No, no, there was really not. <laughs> and that's awesome. <laughs> you can Google like D&D folk horror and I think you'll find other encounters. Clean Spirit, there are other games that do similar things with maybe not cleaning, but they do. I, I think there are similar games like in that vein, but I, you cannot categorize the sticker game with other games. You can't say it's a combination of this and this and this. I did my best by saying it's sort of the Stanley Parable meets Portal 2 meets role playing games, but throw a big sticker on it. But it's also not because it's not a video game. So it's very weird mm. to talk about. <laughs> I mean, I have to be honest, like, I had missed that that had come out until I was, like, looking over, you know, stuff getting ready for this interview and went, I'm sorry, 
a storytelling experience with stickers and an audio drama. What the hell is this? And I need it in my life. (laughs) There are sample tracks on the itch page. They are a little spoilery, but if you're not sold on the audio editing, which one of the tracks I edited again after I uploaded the sample. So I need to re-upload it. But otherwise, it gives a pretty decent overview of the premise without... There are 42 tracks in total, I think. What? Yes. (laughs) I think that total the tracks without After Music, they add up to like a little bit of an hour. It's like 55 minutes of narration. But on every track we went through and we added two minutes, I think it's two minutes, two or three minutes of buffer. So that way you listen to the track, you get instructions, and then like thematic music follows. So while you're searching your stickers or you're working in your journal, you're like, you're writing something in your journal, there is music that's playing that helps you like still feel like you're in the moment. Otherwise it would likely just play the next track. So you're, you'd have to rush to pause it or you'd have to set it up to repeat over and over. So the buffer music is a nice little add on, I think. Like, how did you do this? Like, (laughs) I need to know this process. So originally I was going to do a sticker activity book. I realized immediately, not immediately, I think like two hours after the idea started, the idea just came from people have all these stickers and then like me, they put them in a box or they put them in like a shoe box, right? Or they put them in like a drawer or like a Ziploc and they never use them because they're too valuable to use. And I was like, what if I made a game that made you use your stickers? What if that was the whole premise? Now you can use your stickers because it's important you use them for this game. And the game is, I didn't even talk about this. The premise of the game is you're contacted by the nebulous agency and they know that you have a lot of stickers. And the only way to engage and influence an alternate reality is with stickers. So they need volunteers, people who have a lot of stickers to participate in this research. So while you're playing the game, the agency is talking to you and giving you instructions And you are influencing essentially what we call your AU or your alternate use reality. So if I was playing the game, Cassie's playing the game, I'm using my stickers. Whatever I'm doing in my journal is affecting Cassie in another universe. That's the premise of the game. Other stuff happens and it gets very complicated for your other person. I won't go into details about how that gets complicated. The game quickly becomes really introspective because you... I don't want to give too much away, but it is a comedic, introspective game that uses your stickers. So we were creating what I realized was an activity book. And I was like, I don't want to make a sticker activity book. That makes no sense. I was like, how do we elevate it? How do we move it out of sticker activity book territory and into role play territory? And I was like, I got glued on this fact that if there was a GM, it wouldn't be anymore. But I was like, but I don't want to have to have someone tell me to use my stickers like in person, that sort of defeats the purpose. I was like, what if we did an audio drama? What if it, that way you don't have to have a GM, you can just play the game and you can play it while it does have like a set story. one of the things that Josh and I have discussed, that's my husband, is playing it like annually because we collect so many stickers over the year that every year we go through it, sure, we'll know like the story, but your stickers influence what happens in a way, obviously the narrator isn't going to change what he's saying because he's in, he's recorded, it's pre-recorded, but it's still, because you're imagining it, it will change the way you're imagining things in your mind. So we've discussed that we're going to have one sticker journal each, and then each year we'll go through and add another segment to the sticker journal from the stickers we've collected over the new year. But that's essentially how it became an audio drama was a sticker activity book isn't enough. 
And I think what we did goes well beyond sticker activity book. <laughs> that is like such a cool idea though. And I am just really happy that this exists now. I want more people to know it exists because it's so good. And I <laughs> I know I'm not supposed to be like that. I'm like, check it out if you can, but it's really good. The people who play it say it's really good. I'm extremely proud of it. It is really unique. I want it to win all the awards. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's really cool. If you like audio dramas and you collect stickers and can't find a good use for them, I highly, highly recommend it. It sounds like the best of all worlds. So, Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, entrepreneurs. I love introducing you to new creators every episode, but I can really use your support. I would love to invite you to join our Patreon page where you'll gain access to behind the scenes content, add your questions to upcoming interviews, And you could even receive a shout out on our site in an upcoming episode. To learn more, go to lightheartadventures.com slash RPG. And now back to the show. Okay, so we have gone from a 5e spooky folk horror supplement to a GM-less token-based cleaning game Mm -hmm. (laughs) to the sticker game. Which is an audio drama. (laughs) Yeah, audio drama where you use your sticker. And now we have Tangled Blessings, unless there was something else in between? No. Okay. There are other projects that I haven't released in between there, but... Okay. <laughs> but Tangled Blessings is the latest one, and it is probably my easiest one to date. Okay. Honestly. Why is that? The, it's so simple. It uses the... Anamne- it's not really... I say anamnesis system, but it's not really an anamnesis system. Anamnesis is a solo journaling game created by Sam Lee, Leah... I am very bad at names, but if you Google anamnesis tarot game, you'll find it. But it uses tarot cards to fill the blank spaces of your character's past and learn more about their present. So it's a very interesting game where you can build a character for like, if you wanted to for D&D using this game. It's just a beautiful, amazing game. And I played it. It changed my life in ways I can't describe, both through its simplicity and depth. So I recommend you check it out. And then Sam was hosting a jam on Itch. And I was like, I don't have time to join a jam. And what a jam is, listeners, if you don't know, is um, basically it's this festival-like time of creation where uh, creators get a lot of hazy energy, ADHD energy together, and they just try to put out a game as fast as possible. A lot of like video game designers do it, and it's kind of moved into the tabletop RPG space. And itch.io is usually where that kind of sense of camaraderie and community occur. So Sam hosted this jam, but they left the jam open for three months. And I was still developing the sticker game. And I was like, you know what? To heck with it. I'll join. It doesn't hurt to join. So I did. And so then it was in the back of my mind. Well, as we all know, as I said earlier, I was burning out. I was doing a lot. That happened a little bit with the sticker game. So I also have a day job. I like this is not my full-time job. So then during the last week of October, I was like, I have the vacation. I'm going to take a week off of my day job and I'm going to spend at least three days of that not doing anything related to tabletop RPGs or creating or like anything. I'm going to play video games. I haven't played a video game in so long and I love video games. Unfortunately for me, I could not stop thinking about a magical school game and how that might fit in the anamnesis system really well. And I just so happened to be in an anamnesis jam. So for three days... I didn't have any day job responsibilities, so I cranked out another game. <laughs> I didn't finish it during this time, but I got really close. 
And then the last two days of the vacation were reserved for getting ahead on the sticker game because I was feeling behind and I wanted to get it out in November. And I knew, I knew I was, I was going to need those days. So I had to put Tangled Blessings aside, which I don't even think it had, it did. It had a name by then. I, it had a name immediately. I didn't want it to be Tangled Blessings and I didn't want the sticker game to be named the sticker game. Unfortunately, my working titles have a way of becoming permanent titles. So it is what it is. So Tangled Blessings was put on the side, but it was there churning and I just wanted to work on it so bad. And so I started to resent the sticker game, which is probably why you didn't know it existed. I probably stopped promoting it because I was like, I'm so glad that's over because it was a, a trial. <laughs> the sticker game was a trial in a lot of respects, but it's beautiful. It's great. Go check it out anyway. So then sticker game's over and I'm like, all right, finally, my passion project, magical school horror game. Yes, let's figure this out. So I finished that. Uh, the Secret Game comes out November 30th. I finished the playtesting version of Tangled Blessings on December 24th. So that's that took 24 days <laughs> to write the game. And it is 64 pages. <laughs> that's with my day job. That's with holidays. That's... <laughs> I'm fine. I'm going to take a break soon. Soon. Uh, after the crowdfunding. Uh, sure. <laughs> so then I was going to crowdfund Clean Spirit because I love Clean Spirit. It's, uh, you can probably tell it's a very important piece to me. I feel like it has a lot of meaning to me. It was, it came out of a time when I was in a dark place and I feel like the people who play it tell me it's great. And I was like, I want it to be a broader audience. A print edition would bring it to the broader audience. However, it was brought to my attention that another game that is set at a magical school is coming out in February. They knew I was working on Tangle Blessings and they said, oh, you're releasing Tangle Blessings around the same time as this other game. That's a really smart marketing move. And I have all those terms related to the other game muted. I don't pay attention to it. I don't know. Like I'm just oblivious to all things with that. And this was like, I want to say the second week of January, we were having this conversation. So while you and I are talking right now, this is like a big news thing. Like at the time it wasn't. And I was like, oh, from a marketing perspective, shoot, that makes a lot of sense. Because I was going to release it by the end of January. You may have seen my tweet that was like, this will be out at the end of January. So things changed very, very rapidly. I pulled all my plans for Clean Spirit back. I'm still, I still plan to crowdfund or at least get a few copies printed at some point because I just want it for myself. But Tangled Blessings is, you know, it's a good game. It's a fun game. I think people really like it. I think people having it in print will be very excited to have it in print because of what it is. And it is a tarot-based magical school horror game. I will say it leans more magical school than horror, but there's quite a few horror elements in it. So I just I have that in the subtitle just so people understand that, hey, you might take a bath in blood. Be ready for that. Like, <laughs> But you play with tarot cards. And there's also a rival component and a lot of people enjoy romancing their rival. So that's a big piece. I just could see the marketability and I work in marketing, so I can't turn off that part of my brain. I could see the marketability in Tangled Blessings. So I was like, all right, this is what we're doing in February for Zine Month. I knew I wanted to participate in Zine Month. I thought it was going to be Clean Spirit, but we're going full Tangled Blessings, baby. Let's go. So then it was the timeline rapidly rapid rapid i was i made videos i was building the crowdfunding page i was putting the game in playtesting i was receiving playtesting feedback i had to put it through editing unfortunately the editing didn't get back soon enough for the press edition so the press has an edition of the game because it's fully written but it's not edited or proofed so unfortunately their version is full of typos 
we tried to catch most of them, but it's just, you need an outside reader to get them. So it is what it is. But I mean, it's mostly done. So barring some final layout and photographs and art, it's, it's complete, which is fantastic going into crowdfunding. And it was so funny because I emailed Linda Codega, and that's the person who broke all the D&D OGL information. And this was like a week before they broke it. So they weren't, their inbox wasn't flooded yet with mm. everything. And I emailed them and uh, they were like, oh, this is really exciting. When is this coming out? And I said, well, I'm hoping the crowdfunder will start in February 1. But if I get sick or something, I might have to push it because I'm just one person. Three days later, I got extremely sick. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was bedridden for literally two weeks. But because I had done so much work, and I probably got sick because I did so much work. But I was, I'm only a little, I'm still like the tiniest bit behind on where I wanted to be on some of the content I wanted to produce. Like I have a video that I've recorded. I just need to finish editing it for Tangled Blessings. But almost all the videos I wanted to make are out. Almost all the marketing I wanted is out. The crowdfunder launched on February 1st, but it was just really funny that I feel like I cursed myself a little bit. (laughs) But now it's live and I don't know when this interview will air, but we funded we were at $6,700 the last time I checked, somewhere around there. And I only wanted $1,500. So we have enough to get printed and hopefully get it in some retail stores. But the timeline for after the crowdfunding is pretty rapid as well. Hoping the digital edition goes live by the end of April. And then hopefully the physical edition is in mailboxes by the end of summer. That's really fast and really exciting. Yeah, I'm still waiting on zines I funded last zine month. So I feel pretty good about moving. Not not that that's a bad thing for anybody else, but I just can't sit around. I've got to have stuff mm-hmm. go, especially when money's involved. I, I The anxiety of, of being paid money for something I haven't delivered yet is stressful for me. I'm learning very quickly. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so why the decision to do a crowdfunder? So I, this is my first ever crowdfunding project and crowdfunder for those who are listening and isn't C-R-O-W-D-F-U-N-D-E-R. It's crowdfund, then just an R. So if you're looking for crowdfunder, that's what it is. That is the site. I went with crowdfunder because they approached me. I was overwhelmed with Kickstarter. I was confused by Kickstarter, to be completely honest. And I knew if I had questions or issues, I could find someone at Crowdfunder to answer those questions. I didn't anticipate this being a big project, but I was also a little afraid, a little afraid not to sound egotistical of the Kickstarter effect. I know that some people with small projects and the small ability to to deliver them can blow up on Kickstarter. And quite frankly, as this being my first one, I don't have the capability to have a huge inventory. I can't have anything freight delivered to my place. I can't imagine packing hundreds and hundreds of boxes. Like, so I was a little afraid of that. I was very intimidated by it. I think I could have figured out how to handle it if that something like that were to happen. But I, and not to say that it would have if I'd gone on Kickstarter, but I was just a little afraid of the possibility. So knowing that I had like two people, because I have the face of crowdfunder, the president, David, like he's very, it's very reachable. And then Leon, um, they are like an ambassador for crowdfunder. They've been very approachable and have helped me figure things out. Knowing I have two people working with me and helping me solve problems as they arise. Like today, I had to refund something because someone from Australia did not realize that the shipping costs were going to be added later. And they were like, whoa, 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 I'm so sorry, but I cannot have a physical copy of this. I cannot pay shipping to Australia. And I was like, that's totally fair. So I refunded them 
through what I thought was correct. There were some issues there. So I reached out to David and me and David got everything squared away within an hour. So knowing that I have that, that ability, I think that's great for me as a creator, but I also think that's great for the people who are buying Tangled Blessings, who are pre-ordering it. Like they know, they don't necessarily know this, but I've been able to like help people immediately. And I don't know if that's the same on Kickstarter. I don't think I would have that same accessibility to help if I were on Kickstarter. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, honestly. And like, it's been interesting to like, regardless of what platform you choose, the whole Kickstarter effect is so real. Like there's so many businesses that do wind up being way too successful. And then it's like, well, uh, all of the deadlines we said, that's shot. Uh, I don't even know where I'm going to like print this book or like make this thing because I don't like know. <laughs> yeah. So it was just, it was a like, oh no, it's like that meme, like uh, suffering from my own success. <laughs> I know how I sound saying that and I'm not saying that it would have for sure happened to me, but it was just, I'm a very anxious person if you couldn't tell. So I just, I thought crowdfunder might be the safe way to go. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I really like how you're offering some like additional things too. And it, so it's, there's the book and then you've got like the more deluxe tier where, I mean, you're like handmade. Yeah, so the deluxe tier is very cool. It is very limited. I don't. It'll probably be sold out by the time this interview goes live. I think there were yeah, like sorry, six. Listeners. I think there were six boxes left when we started. <laughs> They're really cool. They um. So the owner of Delve Candles, Celinda, approached me. She is in my Patreon only server, and I was asking my patrons for like, do we have interest? Do we have any stretch goals we really want to see, or do we? Is there anything we really want to see in regards to Tangled Blessings that I can see about? putting on my crowdfunder page and Celinda is a patron and she reached out. She's like, what about a candle? Do you want to make a candle a stretch goal? And I was like, well, as a stretch goal, that gets a bit complicated because I can't set my budget appropriately for candles because especially as a first time crowdfunding person trying to budget for mysterious, questionable candle that might may or may (laughs) not be funded. It got very complicated, very fast. I was like, so what if we just sold a candle? What if you just made a candle and we sold it? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, what if though it wasn't just the candle? What if it was like a whole experience? So like the deluxe box also includes a wax sealed personalized letter. The book comes with a campus map inside of it, as well as roll tables. So like if you need not roll tables, because it's a tarot driven game, you draw tarot cards instead of it's called it's a it's essentially a roll table, but you're not using that. You're using tarot cards, but you can use the tarot cards to generate ghosts, creatures, professors, and students, the deluxe box also comes with cards, like on heavy cardstock with those tables so that you can, you don't have to flip back and forth in the book when you're playing. You can have it open in the section you're in and then have the card set at the side so you can reference the prompt you need and then draw cards from the tarot if you need to generate an NPC that you want to engage with. To be clear, like that's in the base book, you just get the cards as a separate add-on in the deluxe box. But the wax sealed letter is very cool. We just got it because of the way crowdfunder works. Once you reach your goal, you get the money. So you don't have to wait until the rest of the campaign finishes, unlike Kickstarter. That's nice. (laughs) Yeah. So I've been getting all of the money. We still have, uh, I think, 17 days left of the campaign. And I have all of that money already in my business bank account. So I've been ready. I've been able to... um, order supplies and order materials. I've already been testing. I've already been able to return things that arrived broken, which all of this would have set me back in my production if I was using Kickstarter because now I have to wait for the returns and all of that. But now it's like, I'm actually ahead of schedule because we already 
have half of our materials. We're already testing to make sure they work and feeling confident about that. And they were able to buy them because we had that money already. We don't have to wait for Kickstarter to process it and take off their cut and all of that stuff. So from a crowdfunder perspective, like that's been awesome. Like being able to start testing and showing people immediately like, hey, things are, this is how they're going to look. And Delve, the candle they're making is a like dark academia inspired candle so that you can burn it and just feel completely immersed while you're playing the game. And, and it's just great. I'm so excited. I'm just a huge fan of Delve candles. So when she reached out to me, I was like, yes, please. Oh my gosh, <laughs> your candles are amazing. Let's do something. But we limited it to 40 because again, we were like, what? Oh no. What if we end up having to make like 500 candles? 500 boxes. I don't have the capacity to do that. So we limited it to 40, which is still quite, quite a bit, but it's manageable. Yeah. I selfishly, um, I'm one of the 40. So I'm like, yes, I am so excited. I'm excited for you to have it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Is, I don't know, this might be like a ridiculously hard question to answer. So, so sorry. I love hard questions. Is there a particular part of this game that you are the most excited for people to experience? And what is it? Yes. So there are 22 rival descriptions in this game. I think they take up a total of like six pages. It's 8.5 by 5.5. So like it's a digest size book. So when I say pages, like it's digest size. So you shuffle your major arcana uh, from your tarot deck, which is like 22 of the main cards and then you draw a card and then you if you're playing solo if you're playing two player then the other player is your rival which is still really fun but then you reference the book and you get to see who will rival your four years at this magical college who is going to always be in your shadow who's going to color your memories with their hue and it's been so enriching and rewarding to watch people play to read their journals and to see how they experience their rivals, how they characterize their rivals. It has been an absolute joy to watch happen. And I got the idea because in the original Anamnesis game, you draw a card at the very beginning and that's your shadow. So your character has lost their memory. But as you play the game, you have the shadow following you and the card that you draw just represents your shadow. All you know is that they're your shadow and you can draw meaning from the card. And I was like, I don't really need a shadow in a magical school game. What do I do with that? And that's when I was like, what a, but a rival in a dark academia inspired game, you have to have an academic rival. So I love it. I see people playing it in two player and in single player also love it. It's just a really fun, lightweight mechanic thing. But from a storytelling perspective, it's so much fun. And then I wanted to do more with the rival. Unfortunately, page length is an issue when it comes to printing books. Like if this were a digital only release, I would have just gone ham on creating so many things you could do with your rival. But we have stretch goals for Tangled Blessings. Originally it had none or it had two, but we wiped them out in the first day. So I added three more against all advice. But... (laughs) They're digital stretch goals, and I may or may not try to get them printed in the future, depending on reception. But so the first stretch goal is the winter break expansion, and that is going to be all of those prompts have to do with your rival. And there will be, I think I decided on 56 total, something like that, or 44 total, something like that. But every single prompt there will be about your rival 
And when I say, when I, I just said the total number, there'll be a different prompts for single player and for two player. So if you're playing single player, you'll have prompts to choose from. But if you're playing two player where you're each other's rival, I wanted it to still like leave room for you all to decide your own thing. So there's going to be leeway there. And I've already started working on that because we smashed that stretch goal. The next stretch goal is additional endings. The original game has three endings. I feel really good about the endings. Uh, Playtesters felt good about the endings. And I do think that they lend themselves great to the game. That said, I wanted to go darker. I wanted to go, I wanted to be scarier. I wanted to make people cry. But I knew I couldn't do that with the game only having three endings. However, as a digital expansion, I can do whatever I want. Uh, I have the space. I have the room. I'm pretty sure we're going to cross that threshold. We're, uh, last I checked, like $300, $350 away. And we still have 17 days left in the campaign. So we're going to cross that stretch goal. And that's going to be 13 new endings. And I think the rival is going to be involved in that quite a bit too. And then there's another stretch goal after that that has to do with lore. But then there's another expansion after that that is not a stretch goal because I know I'm going to write it. I'm not going to talk about it in depth. I'll just give the title of the expansion and it's called Romancing Your Rival. So that that's all you get. Little teaser. <laughs> but that'll come after the game releases and then after the stretch goals. So Amazing. Yes, I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm excited to get it and I'm excited <laughs> for you. And I love that it's like just so immediately I was like, yeah, well, that's funded. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. I was stunned. <laughs> I am completely stunned still. Amazing. God, we've been talking for 57 minutes. Oh my gosh. I told you I am verbose. (laughs) I like would not have known that at all if I didn't have a little timer going up at the top. And I'm like, oh man. Oh my gosh, it does say 57. Ooh. (laughs) Okay, well, because of that, I unfortunately have to like start wrapping us up. Yeah, I mean, I did tell my whole life story here. So it felt like therapy. Thank you. I felt good. <laughs> well, I just love knowing too, like the whole journey. You know, it's like everybody talks about the origin story, and then it's like, okay, and then they jump to the current project. And I'm like, but no, I want to know how you got to where you are right now. I do feel like this was like the first time I ran through all of the projects <laughs> I worked on in like a nice, kind of succinct chronological order. So, congratulations. I'm not saying that sarcastically. <laughs> That's great. I'm glad it's on the record <laughs> somewhere. Amazing. So normally I would ask like, oh, well, are there any other upcoming projects that you're excited about? And I'm like, I don't know, like, I don't know if I should ask you that right now, <laughs> but I'll, because you're supposed to be taking a break soon, right? <laughs> hey, not you too. There is, so there's the expansions, right? There's the expansions uh-huh. I'll be working on. Those will be digital releases. If you back the game, you get them for free. If you don't back the game, they will be an extra purchase. And then after, after all of the expansions, depending on how they're received and how Tangled Blessings fulfillment goes, I may do try to do a crowdfunder, or not necessarily a crowdfunder, but a crowdfunding campaign for the companion zine, which I, in my head I'm calling extracurricular activities. It's just like a, a placeholder name. But that's so good, though. So we'll see what it remains. <laughs> and then, uh, or I might try to crowdfund a print run of Queen Spirit, or I might try to go to that unannounced softly announced game that originally burned me out i think the people who like tangled blessings are going to love the other project that i'm working on and now i feel more confident going back to it now that tangled blessings is sort of under my belt okay well i am 
really excited to find out what this uh, unannounced uh, thing you keep talking about is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Amazing. Cassie, uh, this will be coming out next week. So, um, Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you should still, yeah, you're, you're still going right now. Uh, crowdfunder is still open. Yeah. Come, come check it out. Download the preview. It's on the crowdfunding page. If you're not, not completely sold, check out the preview. Yeah. So how do they find the game? How do they find you? Good questions. Good questions. You can go to CassieMothwain.com to find me. You can follow me on Twitter at Contest Cassie. If Twitter is still working in a week, oh, who knows? And <laughs> <laughs> I'm Cassie Mothwin almost everywhere else. TikTok, YouTube, Twitch. I stream on Twitch all the time. Come say hi. And then Tangled Blessings, you'll find the link on my website, but you can also visit it directly at crowdfunder with an R, not an E-R, dot com slash Tangled Blessings. You can also Google Tangled Blessings and you'll likely find it. Amazing. Well, I will include links in the show notes. Perfect. So at this point, we're going to wrap up the interview portion of our conversation. Thank you so much. That was so great. Yeah. Hi. And then we're going to jump into, after I stop recording this part, we are going to go into a fun little quick question blitz. I keep telling myself I'm going to give come up with a better name for it, but it hasn't happened yet. I'm going to do a couple of like five to 10 random questions. Some are gaming related, some are not, but that is exclusive to patrons over on Patreon at Roleplay Crown. But Susie, thank you so much for coming on, Cassie. This has been a- Yeah, it was great. It's been fun. I'm glad I finally got to talk to you. <laughs> Yeah, it was really fun. (laughs) You just finished another episode of Roll, Play, Grow. To check out the show notes and transcript from today's episode, you can go to lightheartadventures.com slash RPG. To keep up with every episode, please subscribe on your podcast player of choice. And if you're enjoying the show, I would absolutely love if you would leave me a review and share this episode with your friends. Your review might even get featured on an upcoming episode. To follow me on Twitter, you can either find me at LightheartADV for our business account or at KetraRPG for tweets on gaming, my dog Bowser, and other random shenanigans. You can also find me on Patreon at Roll, Play, Grow. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time on Roll, Play, Grow.